Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. So this week, we got some things we could talk about. I mean, there's not been any transactions. No, the Eagles have not addressed CB2. They have not addressed possibly wide receiver five. They have not addressed, you know, who's going to be, you know, maybe, you know, another safety or anything like that. But what is going on is I wanted to go on a rant in a way about sports media sports media has become complete garbage and now where am i drawing this from well today there was a list a, a rankings list and again these things mean absolutely nothing i'm doing lists right now because again it's just you know there it's a downtime in the, in the off season and they're fun to talk about in, in terms of rankings but i mean i if you put any stock in a list of that's strictly based off of opinion, then you're a loose cannon. But I mean, I will say this. Chris Sims made a quarterback list. Now, he's paid by NBC. He works for Pro Football Talk or whatever the hell that is. And what his list included was Jalen Hurts not being in the top 40 quarterbacks. Think about that. So Jalen Hurts does not rank in the top 40, but guys like Case Keenum and Kellen Mond do rank in the top 40. Here's the thing. Do I truthfully believe that Chris Sims, who was a collegiate quarterback, professional quarterback, his father was a professional quarterback, his job is to study and analyze the National Football League, do I believe he thinks that there are 40 quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts in the NFL? I do not. But you know what this is? This is what sports media has become. Sports media has become this idea that we need to get you to click the like button, comment, retweet. And again, it doesn't matter if it's a good take or a bad take. It just matters that you interact with it, right? Social media has destroyed sports uh, it has. Social media has destroyed sports media. No longer do we live in an era, a world where you can come on and give your opinion about something. And, and you know what? Let's use an example, right? Let's just say for basketball purposes, you think Kevin Durant is a better basketball player than LeBron James, right? You can have a, a, a discussion with that. If you're with a friend or whatever, you can argue Either or or better. I mean, it, it, again, it's it's your opinion. But like, what what again? That's reasonable. What I'm seeing now is reasonable no longer exists, and you got to be completely on the outer universe in regards to takes, like Stephen A. Smith. And I know, listen, I do not follow Stephen A. Smith. I don't watch his television show. I could care less about any single thing that Stephen A. Smith has. But my thing is this. This guy got his job because he was a basketball guy. You know, he became a, from a writer to a columnist, and now he's on ESPN, yada, yada, yada. But his forte was covering the National Basketball Association, and he, this postseason, um, a couple weeks ago, said that Donovan Mitchell was the greatest Utah Jazz basketball player of all time. 
first and foremost, I mean, that isn't even an opinion because it's so completely asinine to say. It's completely ridiculous. It makes no sense because Carl Malone is one of the top five scorers in NBA history. He's an MVP. He played in two NBA Finals. And John Stockton also played in two NBA Finals, one of the most prolific passers this game has ever seen. To say that Donovan Mitchell has surpassed the legacies of John Stockton and Carl Malone is on another level of ignorant. And again, it comes from a guy who covered Carl Malone, who covered John Stockton. It's just, again, we can laugh at it because it's stupid. And yeah, it's very, very stupid to say. But it's disrespectful to those guys. And and here's the thing, too. I heard today also that, you know, the, the finals. Again, I, like I said, I, this is stuff I just hear literally in my gym. Is that during his stupid show... I guess what he did was they were talking about a possible finals if it was Milwaukee and Phoenix, right? And what he said was if it's Milwaukee and Phoenix, that that is terrible. And him and the, the, the woman who hosts the show, who I have no clue what her name is, they said that they would not want to go to Milwaukee or Phoenix. Those are terrible towns to go to. I'm like... Your job is covering the National Basketball Association. You're paid to go to the finals, and you're complaining because it's not in New York or Los Angeles. Like, who the hell are you, and what the hell are you? It's the middle of the summer, by the way. I I get it. It's hot in Phoenix. It's always hot in Phoenix. But, I mean, Milwaukee, I mean, it's the middle of the summer. I mean, you can't even sit here and say it's not like the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and who cares? That's Your job is to cover the sport, and you just— completely crap on those two uh those two cities first and foremost if i was milwaukee or phoenix i would not let those two people into the game i mean i really would i would ban them from coming they, they, they you said that unsolicited you want to crap on us okay cool don't you we're not we're gonna make it harder for you to do your job you guys are banned from coming in we didn't ask you to, to, to completely crap on us you chose to do that you're both out it's just ridiculous. Like I said, these people in sports media now, here's the thing. And I know this all kind of started with like, you know, Skip Bayless. But the thing about Skip Bayless, like him or not, and again, I don't follow him or watch his show either. But at the very end, I can at least believe that Skip Bayless believes in the garbage he says sometimes, right or wrong. At least I believe in his heart of hearts that he does believe what he's saying. And again, that's fine. But there's no possible way you could tell me that Chris Sims, in his heart of hearts, believes that there's 40 quarterbacks in the NFL better than Jalen Hurts, or that Stephen A. Smith believes Donovan Mitchell, who couldn't even beat, uh, help lead his team, the number one overall seed in the West, to beat the Los Angeles Clippers playing without their very best player, one of the five best players in the National Basketball Association, is better than Carl Malone and John Stockton. It's just, it's completely asinine, it's ridiculous, it's embarrassing, it's pathetic, and that's what we are now. That's what this world has become due to social media. Everything is about you got to just go on the, not to the edge. You have to go so far over the edge. It's ridiculous because you want people to talk about what you say. It's worked. I'm talking about what they say. But the point is, I'm not talking like I'm ever going to like watch the shows that they're, I could care less about watching their shows. The goal should be to try to get you to watch the show. And I guess being reasonable nowadays is not the way to do it. You don't get people to watch you because you're reasonable. The thing is, the, the people I listen to, the shows I listen to, the podcasts I listen to come from people that are reasonable. And generally, they don't even do these lists because they're opinionated. But I mean, you could have 
lists. I have no problem with you having lists when you back them up with some facts. And again, if you even state at the beginning to, hey, don't take my list too serious here because, I mean, again, it's just a list. This is just a thing. I mean, I, I'm not married to anything on a list. They could change season by season. Like, I had Carson Wentz ranked as the third best quarterback in the NFL last year. Do you know how completely wrong that was? You couldn't be more wrong about it. I'm not going to sit here and go and, and pound my chest and go, no, no, no. I know he is. I know he could be. No, I was wrong. These people don't like to admit wrong, though, because they can't do it. But sports media has become one of the most complete garbage areas in all of sports, you know? And it's just it's just a travesty. But you know what they did here with Jalen Hurts, what Chris uh, Sims doesn't realize? He's added fuel to a wildfire. Jalen Hurts has had people coming at him all off season. That's it. You know, it's it, whether it was the Eagles aren't going to trade Carson Wentz because they don't believe in Jalen Hurts. He wasn't a first-round pick. Well, then they trade Carson Wentz. Well, the whole point they traded Carson Wentz is they're stockpiling now first-round picks because then they trade their first-round pick to get another one from Miami, and that's going to be used to trade for Deshaun Watson because they don't believe in Jalen Hurts. Even though every step of the way it has shown me that the Eagles believe in Jalen Hurts. It's just these you know, th- stories that come out. Oh, well, they have three first-rounders. That means they have to be talking to Houston. Yeah, Not knowing that, you know, hey, the owner was a very big advocate of them picking Jalen Hurts. He's in the building every day. This man is working harder and harder and harder every single day. And you know what? We may, People want to tell you that Carson Wentz had it hard because the Eagles drafted a quarterback in round two last year, and they never gave him any weapons. And it's like, do you understand the the differences here? Like Carson Wentz's problems versus what Jalen Hurts has had to deal with this offseason. It's like one is, you know, microscopic in comparison to the other. That's like an asteroid. I mean, this is an incredible thing for Jalen Hurts. And it's just every week it's something new to try to discredit what Jalen Hurts might become. Hey, listen, all I know is this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how he's going to play. I have full faith in him. Again, I believe Jalen Hurts is such a hard worker that he is going to figure this out and he is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I think he can be an elite NFL quarterback because I believe in his work ethic. But again, like I said, it's just sports media in general and the garbage you get. My my advice to everybody, if you wanted my advice, do not listen to generic show A on ESPN or you know generic show B on FS1 or whatever because it, it, unless somebody specializes in a sport, and again, we all have opinions. Like I, I could tell you my opinions on the NBA. I follow the NBA. I could tell you my opinions on college basketball, on college football, on golf, on whatever you want to say. I mean, I got opinions on a lot of things, but if you really want to learn about a sport, number one, here's a hint. Don't listen to somebody who's just some like guy who's never played the sport in terms of at a professional level. And, and I don't say that in regards to like you can't learn from somebody who hasn't. Like, for instance, I think Greg Cosell is very smart with professional football. He never played professional football. But what he has done is he's dedicated everything he's got to learning about professional football. And he's learned it from, guess who? Professional football players. That's the big part here. So it's like if you're going to be somebody who never played that sport, that's fine. You don't have to be somebody who played the sport, but you do have to use your knowledge to get your knowledge to gain it from people that did play said sport. 
And again, I know we all don't have access to call, you know, a Ron Jaworski on the telephone or, you know, whoever you want to be, an ex-coach, whoever it is. But they, here's the thing. The, the way you can listen to these people nowadays is incredible. Everybody, it seemingly, has a podcast. You can listen to them and you can learn from what these people say because you'll learn more about the sport rather than having to turn on Stephen A. Smith and, and who's the guy, Kellerman or whatever, that those two guys talk in the morning when they legitimately have no earthly idea of what they're talking about. And they expose themselves more and more with these shows, with these stupid comments. Even if they do actually have better opinions and, and maybe better understanding, but when you say something like, Donovan Mitchell is the best jazz player of all time. Anything you say about the NBA going forward to me loses relevance because you've just completely exposed yourself as somebody who just cares about saying something to get people to draw up interest in like and retweet and comment your stupid takes. Now, talking about the Eagles for football reasons here, let's talk some football. So, training camps in a month. And what's training camp going to look like for the Eagles, right? Well, right now, here's the problem. The Eagles have only, like, they have the three quarterbacks, which is fine for, for, you know, training camp. In the preseason, you'd ideally want four, in my opinion, because, again, I'm not expecting Jalen Hurts to take many reps during the preseason. I'm not expecting Joe Flacco to take many reps during the preseason. Like, if you remember the year we won the Super Bowl, the Eagles had four quarterbacks. Matt McGloin played a majority. You know what I mean? But the point being here is you want that fourth quarterback because I I don't get why. And this is the thing with Jamie Newman, why they cut him. I didn't think it was a bad idea to bring in a third quarterback, but I, I figured you just want to keep a fourth quarterback just in case because you're going to want these people to play the majority of your preseason games. Like, yes, Jalen Hurts is going to get some work in game one. I'm sure he is. He might play a couple series. Joe Flacco might play a couple series. And Nick Mullins could play the second half. That's fine. But in game two, then, you know, and again, maybe that's the plan. Jalen Hurts gets quarter one, and then Joe Flacco gets quarter two, and again, Nick Mullins plays the second half. But in game three, where you're generally not going to play, yeah, Nick Mullins could play the whole game. But here's my question. What if something happens and Nick Mullins gets dinged up? I just don't understand why they don't have a fourth quarterback, at least on the roster for the preseason. You have 90 spots, and and to me, it's like you say there, it, we're, we're light at wide receiver. We're light at safety for the preseason. You know what I mean? We have nine wide receivers. I mean, you guys, that sounds like a big number, and it is. Let me ask you this, though. Are you expecting, you know, Devontae Smith to play, you know, three quarters of a preseason game? Absolutely not. You're not expecting Jalen Rager to play a bunch of preseason snaps. You're not expecting Greg Ward to play a bunch of them. Maybe Travis Fulgham because you're trying to get him more accustomed to the spot. But, I mean, at some point, though, if you take away those top three guys, guess what? You're down to six. And they got to last the whole game. And if somebody gets hurt, that's where the questions become. And the same thing at safety. I mean, really, you, wh- who are your safeties? Because Rodney McLeod isn't going to play, right? So if Rodney McLeod isn't going to play, then you have um, Kayvon Wallace, you have Harris, you have, you know, Marcus Epps, you have Andrew Adams, you know, you might have Graylon Arnold, I guess, Elijah Riley, but there's not a lot there. Point being here is. I just, I, I want to go ahead and start trying to, and what I'll do before this, the, the preseason starts in training camp is I will give you a 53-man prediction who I think is going to make the team. And then obviously post uh, preseason, you know, after we get to see all the football, the training camp goes through, you know, we'll know who's hurt, who's not hurt, whatever, but we'll have a very good idea of who's going to make this football team. And that's a more, you know, realistic prediction show. 
but I will do it going in because, again, I have my ideas. I, I, I don't know what the Eagles' plan is in regards to how many wide receivers they want to keep. I thought it might be six, but the more I think about it, with, with all the spots they have, it's probably going to have to go down to five. The quarterbacks, like I said, here's the thing, too. When you think about quarterback, right? I know we all thought, and I even I think maybe Nick Mullins would be a good guy to stash on your practice squad, but you know what else makes a point? Like, you got to think about this. Joe Flacco's on a one-year deal. Nick Mullins is 26 years old. He started 16 games in the National Football League. So right there, you got a backup with, you know, starting experience who's rather young. So, like, the whole point is if Nick Mullins has, a you know, a, a, a good preseason, which is very possible, like, it, it would be advantageous to the Eagles to keep Nick Mullins because he might be able to be your backup quarterback going forward. And if you believe that, you can't really expose him to waivers because he could then be claimed by a different team. Maybe they have there's injuries out there and somebody wants to take a shot at Nick Mullins, especially if he has a good preseason. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's just a lot of risks in exposing him to putting him on the practice squad. And then during the season, something could happen, and if a team wants to pull him off our practice squad, well, then we're going to have the decision to put him on the roster as is. You know, I mean, it, it's just, this is going to be a really interesting preseason for the Eagles. This is probably, in regards to preseasons, one of the more interesting preseasons they're ever going to have. Because when you think about it, when you legitimately think about all the battles that are going to be going on. It's it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, these games matter. And it sucked last year because, again, you all you had was some makeshift bullshit training camp. And you really didn't get to see guys get on the field and see what they really were. But guess what? We're getting that now. Like, the battle for linebacker. The battles for safety. The battles for outside corner. The battle for left tackle. The battle for who's going to be the fifth defensive end. If they're going to keep five defensive ends. Because, I mean, really, you look at outside of their front four, it's like, yeah, you got Graham, Sweat, Barnett, and, uh, geez, Kerrigan, wow. But, I mean, the, the fifth spot, I mean, is it going to be Jackson? You know, do they not take another one because they believe Jannard Avery or, or Joe Osman could play sort of a hybrid linebacker, edge rusher type role? I'm looking so forward to it because, again, it's just fun to talk about. And it's going to be something that actually matters. Like, we have a preseason that actually matters. So what I'm going to do here is I, just as I criticize lists to start this show, I'm going to continue mine. But like I said, unlike these guys, one, I'm not paid to do this. This isn't my, like, livelihood is watching professional football. And two, I don't take my list serious at all. And if somebody has a different opinion, you could be absolutely right. But I will tell you who I believe are the, and I do in two here. I'm going to do tell you who I think are the two are the 10 best edge rushers, as the new term is, defensive ends, because a lot of teams play this 3-4, and I'm sorry, I don't consider T.J. Watt a full-out linebacker. I consider him a quarterback rusher. I know he drops once in a while, but his primary objective is to rush the quarterback. And then I'm also going to do interior guys, so I'm going to do the defensive tackles. But before I get to those lists, I do honestly have one thing I want everybody to listen to, and it's a quick word from Anchor. So let's start with the top 10 defensive ends or the new hip term edge rusher we'll go 10 to 1 so 10 i put brandon graham and i know people will argue oh my gosh how can you have brandon graham i mean you know he kind of fell off in the second half of the season brandon graham's reliable number one he doesn't miss games and for the eagles that's like you know it's like one of the nobel peace prize because for for somebody to remain healthy on this team it's almost virtually impossible 
and, and he's consistent and he's a workhorse. And, and every time Brandon Graham is on the field, I know I'm getting maximum effort from Brandon Graham. That's the truth. Nine. So here's where it starts getting fun. Let's let, let like again. There are so many guys in this league that are good at this. Um, nine is a guy that you probably don't care enough about, and it's from Minnesota. It's uh, Danell Hunter, third round pick. You know what I mean? I remember when he was drafted. Like he was a project player out of LSU, LSU, and look what he's become. He's really good. Eight, a guy I don't like from a team I despise. Cam Jordan. I mean, as much as I despise the guy, I mean, he's consistent, doesn't get hurt. I mean, he gets to the quarterback. Saints couldn't be happier. Seven, then you know, Cinderella from last year, and now he's a Super Bowl champion, Shaquille Barrett. And he was great in the Super Bowl. And you could tell me all day, I know that the Chiefs were playing without their starting tackles, but I, there's no way you're going to convince me that Shaquille Barrett wasn't unbelievable. He was incredible. He was in freaking credible in that Super Bowl. Number six, Joey Bosa. Now, Joey Bosa with the Chargers, he's really good. And obviously, his, his family is, you know, just kind of like the Watts. Like, these guys, like, they, they, they just breed pass rushers. But Joey Bosa is really good. Five, and I know my people might think this is low, Khalil Mack. And the reason I have him five, and again, this is no disrespect to Khalil Mack, I just think that you know his sack numbers have went down the last couple of years. And again, I understand why. He is being so much double teamed and triple teamed, it's ridiculous. They're trying to take him out of the game. But Khalil Mack is obviously still one of the premier guys in the league at this position. Now, number four, he didn't even play last year. But I'm just telling you this, this guy is a game changer. Played one game, I should say. Nick Bosa. When Nick Bosa played, especially in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs two years ago, he's all over the field. That playoffs, he was incredible. I'm telling you, Nick Bosa is unbelievable. I think he is really, really good. And we'll see. Again, he's coming off an injury, so you I mean you could have him not on the list if you wanted to, but I think Nick Bosa is really good. Three, Chase Young. It's Ohio State guys right there. And these edge rushers from Ohio State, they're really good. And Chase Young, and look at where Washington ended up. I'm not saying it was just because of him, but Chase Young is a freaking animal. He is awesome. Guy's got a motor. It sucks that he plays for Washington. It sucks that we're going to have to deal with him for, uh, for the next like decade. But Chase Young is really good. Two, Miles Garrett. Garrett's unbelievable. He was. And I remember that draft, him and Barnett. And it was like, well, Barnett had more sacks in the SEC than Garrett did. Well, guess what? Garrett's like 100 times better. And one, the best edge rusher is TJ Watt. He's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. Steelers stole him, and ironically, in the same draft as Derek Barnett. So it's funny that, you know, the guy who goes in the middle ends up being, without question, the worst of the three, because here they are. The top two guys are from that draft. Garrett went one, Watt went 28, the Eagles took Barnett at 14. Man, the symmetry. Now, top 10 defensive tackles. So let's just start from 10 to 1. And I'll go quick here. I went 10, Leonard Williams, the Giants. It was a great trade bringing him in. He's a really good player. Um... They brought him in from the Jets. Nine, Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's really good. I mean, he wrecked that game a couple years ago with the Eagles where he destroyed Isaac Ciamalo. It's like, guys on this list who just got famous destroying Isaac Ciamalo, go figure. Uh, eight, Vita Vea, Tampa Bay. I mean, he he's just a, a stuffer, man. He's just a huge dude who blocks up the middle. Quinn and Williams from the Jets, seven. Six, Kenny Clark. Um, let me tell you something about Kenny Clark. I mean, he's another one, just a guy who eats the middle of the line. 
I mean, it, you don't get it here. Now I know the no, the who hit the la. I can't speak. The new hip thing isn't to stop the run, but these guys stop the run, and it's really important. Five, Cam Hayward, Pittsburgh. Cam Hayward's just like underappreciated, never really mentioned. All he does is just do his job at an elite level every single year. Again, he's another big reason as to why, you know, TJ Watt is so good because Cam Hayward, he locks up a lot of attention in the middle of that defense. Four, a great trade with San Francisco and Indianapolis last year, getting to Forrest Buckner. Um, to Forrest Buckner, another really good player. And again, uh, for us Eagles fans, he's going to be a big part of what happens with that first round pick for us because if he's on the field, their defense is really good. Uh, three, Chris Jones. Uh, Kansas City, Chris Jones, another guy who got famous off of destroying Isaac CMO. Chris Jones is as good as there is, and I don't care. This is my bias, but number two is Aaron Donald because I will always have Fletcher Cox number one. I believe in Fletcher Cox. I Listen, Aaron Donald's a machine. I mean, he's unbelievable. He gets better and better every year. It's incredible. I, I give nothing but respect to Aaron Donald. But, I mean, I, I'm just a believer in Fletcher Cox, and I know his play has fallen off these last two years. Well, one, he's been dinged up, and two, he's getting triple team because we haven't had anybody next to him. Now, hopefully, Javon Hargrave, who had a very good second half of the season, and Milton Williams end up helping Fletcher Cox because I'm telling you this. If they're able to help Fletcher Cox and he's healthy, I, I know he's up there in age. I know he's getting to 30 now, so it's like this could be the last big chance. I believe in Fletcher Cox, and I always will. I mean, he's been one of the great Eagles. I mean, obviously, the best defender on a team that won the Super Bowl. Nothing could be, you know, said enough about how good and how great Fletcher Cox has been as an Eagle. So, for a sign-off, like I said, this rant today was more or less on sports media. Like, I, it's a shame that we're growing now. You know, we're seeing a world where it, it's more about your take versus spitting actual facts. You know what I mean? Like, or, or supporting your take with facts. Nowadays, it's just who could get the most interactions on social media? Who could get the most likes, comments, you know, retweets, quote tweets, whatever you want to say, tweets, likes on Instagram. That's that's what this world has become. And it sucks because when, you know, you take away an, a, saying an opinion because, or you change your opinion to try to make it more controversial so people will comment more. It's just, it, it sucks. It's not good for the fans. It's de it's definitely not good for the leagues because eventually, you know what happens? People start getting numb to these takes and you got to get even more drastic with what you say and more drastic and more drastic until the point where it's like nobody gives a crap about their credibility anymore. And that's what sucks. It's one thing to say these things and, and you believe it, but when you literally have, you know, sacrificed your credibility, that's what we're getting now. So my advice to be everybody would be, don't listen to people that are being paid almost $5 million a year to talk sports because you know 95% of them will just say whatever they need to say to get their ratings up because here's what's happening too. Even if these people don't want to do it, the networks are going to badger them, hey, you, you got to say some outlandish stuff. We need people to tune in. People don't want to watch boring. Even though to me, what's not boring is you know people saying outlandish stuff. It's the people that actually do work and research and, and study and work on their craft and, you know, like I said, dedicate their their livelihood essentially to to studying the game that they're covering. That to me is interesting. Their their takes are interesting. You get really good takes if you understand the sport you're covering. But if you're a guy who just likes surface knowledge, I mean, hey, tune tune in an FS one every morning or ESPN, you'll get some surface knowledge and then some. 
So the NBA playoffs are still going on here. I just want to make one comment. If the Atlanta Hawks win the NBA championship, Trey Young is in the Hall of Fame instantly. Hall of Fame, instantly. He could vault to be, like, I didn't think anybody could be better than Durant right now. Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is the best player in the NBA. Again, an opinion. Like, again, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here going to go scream it to the mountaintops. And if you disagree, you are more than welcome. I'm not going to sit here and say, you're wrong and try to fight you and, and criticize and, and say, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. But let me tell you this. If Trey Young takes the freaking Hawks to the championship, I got to put him number one on my list. I'm sorry. That's an incredible feat. If they win the NBA title, there is nothing but respect for that guy. I mean, he's like the closest thing to Allen Iverson that we've had in 20 years, really. Like, it just reminds me of when Allen, now again, I think this Hawks team has a little bit more talent than that Sixers team that he took to the finals that actually won a game in the finals against one of the great teams in NBA history, that Los Angeles Lakers team. It was the only loss they had in the whole playoffs. But, you know, you look around at that Hawks team, you know, John Collins is a nice player. Clint Capella is a really good defender, kind of like Takembe Mutombo was with, uh, in the Theo Ratliff role for Allen Iverson's teams, but... I'm telling you, Trey Young, and again, I get it. I know his numbers, his shooting numbers aren't the best, but the guy has the ball in his hands. He's double teamed, and I know he takes advantage of the rules as well where he's throwing his body and all that stuff, and I know that's going to shift eventually, but listen, nothing but respect to that guy. He's putting it on his back. John Collins, respect to him. Kevin Herter, look at, listen to some of these guys. You know, Solomon Hill's playing, you know, Bogdanovich. Like, Lou Williams is on that team. He's on the bench. He's not even playing that much. I mean, like I said, I mentioned him before, though. Clint Capella, really good. And, and again, I don't think that, I don't know if they could beat Milwaukee. It took, a, you know, a her, like, seriously, a Herculean effort from Young from there to win game one. Scored 48 points, and they won by two points. I mean, Antetokounmpo is just a weapon. I'd assume Milwaukee will get by them eventually, but, hey. If the Hawks go to the finals, like I said, and if they win it, he's in the Hall of Fame. If they go to the finals, I think he's pretty much in the Hall of Fame anyway. But most importantly, thank goodness football's coming. I miss football. I want to talk football. I just want freaking things to happen in the NFL now. I can't wait. And I know, oh, before I go, they didn't announce today that they're going to allow the alternate helmets and stuff like that next season. I don't know why it's got to be until next season. It's like the NFL just didn't want to make money with this. Like every team in every sport has alternate uniforms except the NFL because they had some stupid thing with the helmets. And I, and I get it where it's like, what? You had the stupid thing with the helmets was like, hey, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, everybody's helmets are safe. They have safety, you know, like for concussion protocols and whatnot. But it's like, why would you not have multiple helmets? Like you could have, like you could have multiple helmets. Like what if helmets get, gets cracked? Like you give a new player a new helmet, and guess what? That helmet was a different helmet. So it's like the whole color scheme on the helmet. So the, the great thing here is that the Eagles are actually going to be able to put their Kelly Green uniforms on again, which is awesome. Awesome. It's their best uniform. I wish it was their permanent uniform. I wish they didn't. We didn't need this alternate thing for them to do that. I would rather them wear these uniforms twenty four seven. But hey. At least next season, in 2022, we will get the Kelly Green uniform back, and I am ecstatic about that. So everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated. Go Eagles. Go. Go.